Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news, and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Hello, and welcome to the Spurs Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow, and I'm delighted to be joined by Jason McGovern and Chris Cowlin of Last Word on Spurs. Gents, glory, glory, Tottenham Hotspur indeed. Tottenham are back. We're back. Absolutely brilliant. Um, last night, it was just it just felt so good to be back home. Um, you know, 118 years at White Hart Lane, and then we've spent 689 days away from White Hart Lane I at Wembley Stadium. It felt like 689 years for a Well, minute, yeah, it Chris. did, yeah. Um, but no, it just it just felt so good to be back home and we've now had three events at the stadium and uh, you know, we've got four Premier League games left at the stadium and hopefully two Champions League games and the place is just going to get better and better. So we saw an opening ceremony, which is something I normally only associate with Olympic Games. I was half expecting to see a half-naked Tongan man walk through carrying a flag. Uh, Various fans were sort of on the wind-up about it, but was it a good thing to experience as a fan? Well, I think other clubs were always going to rip into Tottenham. As soon as the, the attendance figure came out, they were going to rip into Tottenham. We've all had the, it looks like a toilet seat. That's, that's the way that football fans are, aren't they? And when Everton do theirs, everyone will be on at Everton. And when Chelsea do theirs, we'll all take the mickey out of them. That, that's that's just the way. It was. I thought it was fantastically done. The... Uh, I love the, the the fireworks around the the mm. cockerel. That cockerel is just fantastic. fantastically located, because you see it from Tottenham Green yeah. from way away. But when you're in the stadium and it's looking down, it's that's that's a brilliant bit of design work to to have that. And no, it was it was uh, it was quite emotional when yeah. with the operatic. I'm not so sure we want operatic uh, entrances every single game, but no, it was just understated. It linked because I think it was him that was singing when the the rainbow came up on the the old one so it linked links the two together and i think yeah it done its purpose and let's not forget it's now 24 games unbeaten 
in North 17, not just one. It's 24 <laughs> games unbeaten. So you're keeping that ticking over. 24 games. It's almost three years unbeaten in North 17. <laughs> Geographically, if not terms in, in terms of fixture list, rather. But it was just great because every fan was in such a good mood. It was, you know, even after the recent form Tottenham had been in, um, just to get back home and, and to see the players playing on the pitch and... You know, it was impossible to take a bad photograph in that stadium. Wherever you are, it's just uh, an amazing place. And we've all waited so long to get in. And uh, and I'm just so glad that Tottenham actually got the, the three points um, in, the, in, the first, in the first game. It was a strong Tottenham performance. 2-0 in the end, all very comfortable. And the performance was good in the first half. You were giving Palace a hard time. But were there ever any nerves? Were you looking at the clock ticking on thinking hang on a minute, could this all go a bit wrong? No, honestly not. I was confident throughout the game. I thought we, we dominated the, the pattern of the game, that's for sure. I think we have, ended up with, what, 25, 26 shots at goal to Palace. Yeah. With Palace only really came into the game. I mean, when you said they were standing around waiting to start the game, they, they were standing around for 85 minutes waiting to start the game, <laughs> as far as I was concerned. They did. They offered absolutely nothing until five minutes to go. So, no, I think if Palace had had a, a few chances at nil-nil, yeah. then perhaps you would have got a little bit nervy. But as I said to you outside, I kind of, I think at some stage over the, the few games, to get the impact of the stadium, we do need to be nil-nil 85 minutes. And we also need to be in a game 2-0 down at 30 minutes to to a Burnley or to a Leicester or to Watford or something like that. And only then will you genuinely get the the full impacts of whether the stadium's going to be everything we want it to be, atmosphere-wise, or whether it's going to be the old sing-when-you're-winning type of thing. <laughs> it was funny, though. Even, even though we actually opened the stadium, the, the most important thing last night was to get the three points, yep. no matter how we did it. You know, whether it was a 1-0 or a 5-4, whatever, we, we would have taken the three points, whatever the score would have been. But... Um, you know, we got over the line. It wasn't an exceptional performance, but it was a, a very, very good start in the stadium and to, to keep a clean sheet as well. And clean huge. sheet was huge, wasn't yeah. it? Because we just haven't been doing that of late. So, no, it was huge to get a clean sheet, that's for sure. In terms of the atmosphere, Chris, I know you were there. Sing while you're winning is an interesting line for Jace to have used. How did you feel it was last night? Uh, we were promised that it would be explosive, that it would be passionate, that it would lead, if Lee McQueen of last word on Spurs yeah. is to be believed, to a 100% home winning record for the rest of the season. Was it that good? It was. It was. I think it will. I think it will get better. Um, obviously, we've had the two test events, and the the um, attendance uh, figure has gone up um, through the three events, and it has just got better and better. And uh, while the opening ceremony was going on, the fans were singing, and you just get the the sense of how it's going to be in the future. Obviously, it's all very, very new for everybody. You know, a lot of people have gone in there for the very first time last night, so there's sitting or standing next to, to different fans and perhaps people they don't know, but everyone gelled together last night and, and the noise was amazing, yeah. I think as well, you you behave differently on mm. when you first go in there. You know, most people would have been standing there with the, the camera phones up for the start and wanted to record the very first, oh, when the Spurs and things like that. Whereas once you're in it, once five or six games are in it, you'll think, oh, I've recorded this five times already. So <laughs> you kind of just then get into the game and really focus on what's happening on the pitch, not not what's happening off the pitch. And I think that will, next season, I think, we'll, we'll really get the feeling of, of how the stadium's working out. And the, the same with getting to it from it and the concourses and everything like that. 
It's fu- it's funny, Jay, how you say that because I know it's a lot of people. Even while the game's going on, they're they're sort of looking around, thinking, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah," you know, and just looking at the the glorious stadium we have now. Does the phenomenon, which is not a Spurs thing, of course, it's a modern football thing, of fans getting their phones out mid-game and filming, does it frustrate you or do you just accept it as part and parcel? It frustrates, but that is part and parcel of life. And it doesn't it doesn't really matter what event you go to. You can go to the golf and they all got their cameras out behind Tiger Woods. You go to Wimbledon, they are all got it up. You, it, that is just modern sport, isn't it? You, you see it in uh, the, five, the Six Nations, anything like that. If you go to a concert, rather than watching the concert and listening to the music, they've, they're taping it on the phone anyway. So that's just modern life, I'm afraid. I can't answer that. I, I vlog every game, so... Uh... No, but yeah. that, that is different, Chris, as well, because that's something that you do. That's part of your living. That's, you are a professional filmer at games, if you see what I mean. You're not a bloke putting it on Snapchat for three of his mates. I mean, I was at the London Stadium a couple of weeks ago. I'm not a West Ham fan, but I was there, and they got a penalty early on against Huddersfield. And the bloke in front of me, who clearly was a very passionate West Ham fan, not least because of the stuff he was shouting at the referee, immediately just got his phone out. And I yeah. thought, well... What's going to happen? Mark Noble's going to score a goal from the penalty spot, which you will see five times this season. It's not except, exceptional. Just watch it, surely. Yeah. No. But, well, there's also what if you're going to tape it at least or record it at least record the penalty, not watching yourself how you is react. It, is yeah. that what you yeah. do? Chris? No, that's, no, no. That's no. that for me. The the DT type thing where you shout abuse at a referee whilst you're videoing yourself doing it I think that that for me I'd, that, that, that is I'd a difference with me I, I do vlog games but I don't sit there videoing myself the whole game because it's just not the way I would do it um, I'd, I'd probably do a, a half time or a full time analysis you yeah. know, to camera but that's it. I wouldn't be uh, filming myself during the match. No, that's that's a definite no-no, I think. <laughs> well, <laughs> filming yourselves. It's modern football. It's a modern stadium. And it was a modern goal scorer who scored the first goal there. Human Son embodies everything about Tottenham and everything about what it takes to succeed up front in the modern game. But was it right that it should be him? Don't go anywhere. This is Love Sport. You're listening to the Spurs Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio with me, Johnny Burrow and Jason McGovern and Chris Cowlin of Last Word on Spurs. As ever, we want to hear from you. You can get in touch on 0208 70 558 or at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. We've already had some questions into the show and I'd like to kick off with one, I'm afraid, Chris, that is directed solely at Jason. This comes from Getting Worse at Getting Worse. So, how dare Ericsson score that goal to deny Kane getting a penalty yeah he stole one off of harry didn't he just just the opposite way to to stoke no it was uh it was just really quick reaction wasn't it from ericsson and i, I know we'll come on to to talk about him a little bit later but the main thing was i, I actually don't care who's got harry actually you know what harry's chance was that any better than what musa sissoko did one-on-one at liverpool mm. when harry went through one-on-one and, and yeah. put it in almost not quite as high as sissoko but Hell of a lot of the goals you aim at, and he ballooned it over the top. Yeah. And I thought poor old Musa would take enormous flack if that had been him. <laughs> but but uh, no, it was just pleased to see little glimpses of Ericsson. As I said, we'll talk about him a little bit later, but it was a much better performance from Christian Ericsson overall last night, that's for sure. It's interesting that focus from the fans on wanting Kane to get a goal, wanting Kane to score on this first day at a new ground because it's obviously a historic night for the club and it felt like it had to be a historic day for Harry Kane, didn't it? He is going to be the king of this new stadium. You'd have thought he will be the goal scorer in chief for the foreseeable future for Tottenham and 
I, for one, in a sort of over-romanticised view of the whole thing, just assumed that Harry Kane would be the first goal scorer, to be honest, if not definitely score a goal. Are either of you disappointed that he didn't? No. Um, I, walking to the game, I actually um, was doing my video and I actually said, score tonight, 2-0, so I need to score first. And I never, I never ever get predictions right. And uh, I just felt that he would score. Um, Sonny is just such a, a huge fan's favourite and uh, you know he works his socks off and for me he was a man of the match last night um, and I was delighted to see him uh, get a goal uh, you know the first one first competitive goal at the stadium and with Harry Kane I think that Harry Kane is going to score hundreds of goals at that ground so I'm not really bothered that it, it wasn't the first No I think he'll go down as probably the, the biggest goal scorer in that stadium Yeah you know, in 20 years' time, he'll have still scored more goals than anyone else in it. So mm. I think you'll remember that more than necessarily who was first. I thought that it was interesting with the first free kick we got in a dangerous area. <laughs> he definitely took that off of Ericsson's head. I'm having that at nil-nil. So he, he definitely wanted to be it. But I actually had it down as Delhi yeah. to score the first goal. And he had the chance in what, inside two minutes where he got his head on it. But... But no, it didn't matter. As long as it was a Spurs player rather than Martin Kelly or <laughs> James Tompkins or someone like that scoring the first goal. Tell you what, I, I had Palace in here on Tuesday, 7 till 9, Palace fan show. And they were giving it large. They were saying, don't forget, we've got a hammer on that pitch and it will be James Tompkins to score first. And I thought, well, statistically, not all that likely. And Harry Kane might have a thing or two to mm, say about mm. it. I think the curse of the old boys is usually what happens in football, isn't it? So I was astonished to see them leave Townsend on yeah, the bench. Yeah. And I thought Andros would have been as up for it as, as any of the Spurs players. His dad probably in the stadium and watching as well and his family all Spurs people. So I'm just a little bit surprised they didn't pick uh, Andros to start. In terms of that first goal scorer, James Gray, who has a show in the afternoon here, made a very good point on air earlier, which is that actually this season, whilst Harry Kane is and always will be the talisman for Spurs, he's been out injured quite a bit. Mm. And if Spurs do go on to have a good season, they get that Champions League qualification through the league for next year. Actually, Hyunmin Son is going to be the guy who scored the goals to put them there. So in that sense, do you think he was the person who deserved it? Definitely. Um... As I say, he's, he's a real fan's favourite. Everyone loves him and uh, he, he comes in and does a job and he, he's nev he never seems to be upset when he's out of the team or on the bench. And, um, you know, over the last few seasons, Harry Kane's been out and, and Sonny's come in and just done a, a fantastic job. And, you know, it's great. I think as well, I was a little bit surprised he played because I thought Lucas Moura did all right at Anfield, got the goal at Anfield and you think his player that perhaps needs his confidence boosted a little bit and having scored at, at Liverpool, which was, when he scored it, it was a meaningful goal. It's it wasn't, a big goal. wasn't scoring when you're 4-1 down or something like that. When he put us level, it looked like he's got us something, much like he did at Old Trafford. I thought he probably had done enough to, to start the game, but Sonny's actually got a good record against Palace as well, hasn't he? And yeah. Let's be fair, you're never going to be angry when Sonny comes into the side anyway. He certainly had a fantastic period when Harry was out over Christmas and through January. But Sonny's not had a great time since Harry's been back. And it wasn't until November time that he really got going. I think it was the Chelsea 3-1 when he scored that fantastic goal out sprinting Jorginho and David Luiz and mm. that. But, you know, Sonny, probably in, in terms of how many good league performances has he had, 15 maybe, 14. Mm. So that's, you know, he's owed us a little bit as well. We've had to be patient with him in so many tournaments. But he's, you know, when we've needed him this year, he's come up with it, that's for sure. Do you think it's just a coincidence that for Son the goals have dried up a bit since Kane's come back? 
Well, Harry Kane's always going to be the main man at Spurs, isn't he? And uh, it must be frustrating for a lot of players to to think how on earth am I ever going to be the uh, the number one striker? But or take a free kick for that matter. Well, exactly. Yeah, it, it, that, that was funny actually how you brought that up because as soon as uh, that free kick was awarded, it was uh, Christian Eriksen. I'm having it, and then Harry Kane's. I'm having it. No, I'm having it. No, I'm having it. And then all of a sudden, it was a, a miss. But um, but with, with Sonny, I'm just absolutely delighted that he, he got the first goal. You know, it was, it was great for him and, uh, you know, the fans celebrating and uh, the, a really big cheer. And it was really weird in the stadium because such a big cheer for the first goal. And then the second goal, everyone kind of thought, what's happened? Is it a penalty? Is it a goal? What? And then it was really quiet. It was really quiet in the stadium. Really odd. Thankfully, we didn't have VAR there. <laughs> and after like five minutes for them to decide whether it was yeah. a penalty or not. But uh, no, I think Pally stopped, didn't it? But that, that's where Ericsson was so alive to yeah. it. He, he just pounced on it straight away. So excellent. It would have been a penalty, wouldn't it, for Kane? Well, it doesn't matter now, does it? <laughs> I don't think so. You don't think? I don't, I, I, from looking... <laughs> From what I can remember of it, I think Kane actually kicked the back of the Palace player's leg rather than the other way around. But it, I, I'm I'm confused on the rules. Certainly wasn't a nailed-on penalty. No, no, no. Sure. So he does kick the back of his leg, but if the leg is in between him striking the ball, is that how does how does well, that work? I don't know. How you can make a tackle if you don't get your leg between the ball yeah. and the other players. No, foot, fair enough. So. But equally, you could argue if you if you're running and his legs in the way, then it's a foul. So. Depends who the referee is, doesn't it? Yeah, and whether he sees well, yeah. it. Probably. <laughs> I, I doubt that would have been given last night. I, I certainly wouldn't have been jumping up and down for it, that's for sure. Well, I hope you'd have been jumping up and down for it, James. <laughs> whether, whether it was a pen or not, you should have been jumping up and down. Uh, it was a night of fantastic emotion for Spurs. There was lots of focus on how good it was going to be. Everyone wanted a ticket. It was North London's golden ticket. And yet the stadium didn't seem to be quite full. What's going on there? This is Love Sport. It's the Spurs fan show here on Love Sport Radio with me, Johnny Burrow, and last word on Spurs. And we should pick up on the fact that last word on Spurs have made the final of the Football Blogging Awards. It's fantastic news. Uh, and remember, you can vote for them in that competition because there's a chance not just to be in the finals, but to win the thing. Mm. Yeah, a, a trophy. A trophy. A trophy. Will, will that count? Yeah. It's a trophy. I think it counts. If you put it in the trophy room, it's like Arsenal have been counting the Emirates Cup for years, so I think this, this one would certainly <laughs> count. Chris, I gather you're, you're in there as well as an individual, aren't you? Yeah, I'm absolutely delighted. I, I'm overwhelmed, actually. I mean, uh, I shortlisted for two um, awards, Best Blogger um, and Best Club Content Creator because wow. of all the Tottenham content. So, uh, yeah, delighted for, so we, with that. We could have three FBAs from Last Word on Spurs. So go out there in the finals, vote for Last Word on Spurs, vote for Chris in both categories, vote for all three, and we'll have yet more silverware for Spurs. We should actually mention Chris's videos that he was commissioned to do by the club, which have been excellent as well. So it's another another nod to you, Thank mate, you. for those as Thank well. Thank you. And yeah. you also, we didn't get to talk about this last week, Chris, because you weren't on the show. You obviously, everyone who listens to Last Word on Spurs and to the fan show here on Love Sport knows that Chris Callan is Mr. New White Hart Lane. He's been across it all the time. He's a man who loves nothing more than a panel. Uh, and he is just, you know... He's, he's the modern panel beater, isn't yeah. he? R- Rumour has it, some some of the bricks at New White Hart Lane actually have Chris Callan's hair in them. That He's that involved in the stadium. And you went so far as to not just attend every test event, but to actually meet a certain Mr. Mauricio Pochettino. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, it was good, actually. Um, first test event, he was up um, right near where I was sitting and uh, he was chatting to some of the fans and um, he met my kids and 
spoke to them, had photos and everything. And he, he's such a lovely guy. He really is. Did he give you any insights into the tactics for upcoming no. games? How he's going to approach City? Absolutely not. No? No, Transfer no, Transfer targets? No. None of that? He just said, we want, we want an FA Cup and we want a League Cup. And he just sort of grins and... Grins uh, and nods. Yeah, yeah, as if to say, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, come on. I'm sure he's a positive guy. There was another thing, of course, to come out of the photos with Poch, Chris, which is this big debate and we've had all kinds of massive arguments in the Premier League this season City or Liverpool for the title who's going to win golden boot but the biggest of all is does Chris Cowlin look exactly like Mauricio Pochettino (laughs) or not which is a row I've seen going on for Twitter in quite a while what do you think Chris for a start we'll let the man himself I don't I don't think I look anything like him um but everybody um seems every time I put, put a video out on every single video, at least one person says, you look like Pochettino. Maybe this could be a new business opportunity for you, Chris. Mm. You just, just wear, wear a white shirt, black tie, black jacket, you'll be it's, there. It's fair to say, you look more like him than Lee does Gazaniga anyway. Okay. <laughs> That's for sure. He won't like you saying that. <laughs> I think you do look quite like him, which is not a bad thing. But, yeah. but I, th- I think you probably do. And extraordinary that you met him. You met him, of course, at that new stadium, which is our biggest talking point this evening. And we've had a caller into the show. Josh is on the line from Hertfordshire, wants to give his thoughts on the new stadium. Josh, were you there last night? Oh, I wasn't, unfortunately. But I was at the second test event with the Legends. Um, yeah, I just wanted to say it was, it was just amazing, really. It was just amazing. I'm so happy it's finally happened. Um, and I just hope it's going to kickstart our season, really, because I think we're in need of wins and points more than ever. In terms of kickstarting your season, Josh, we've heard a lot about that this could lead to a fantastic run of home form. Are you convinced that this new stadium will lead to Champions League qualification for Spurs? Yeah, I mean, it, in my opinion, we've got one more really difficult game, that City. Um, I don't. We've got three, know, I three of those, mate. Oh yeah, um, but I, I I think all those games are winnable. You know, Huddersfield at home, Brighton at home. You know, they're all games we can win. And if you know, you know, like Poch says, it's in our hands. You know, it, it's ours to lose. And if we keep going and play like we did against Palace, I think we're going to get it. You know, there's no reason we shouldn't get it. our squads working good enough. We're in this fantastic new stadium. You know, what a, 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 and what a way you know to start next season off with Champions League. Did you enjoy the opening ceremony? Did you manage to watch it all? Did you did you like that there was a big event made of the whole thing, or should it just kicked yeah, off? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was a bit it was a bit cheesy, but it was good. Nothing wrong with a bit of cheese in terms of <laughs> the tumor. Of course, nothing wrong Here with the cheese again. room, which again. is uh, an element. I've been informed that actually there aren't going to be cheese rooms no. in the stadium. This was this was gutted. a cruel rumor. Is this the case? Did you say gutted, Josh? Yeah, you you were looking forward to some brie, were you? With your oh football? yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. There's a misunderstanding. They're selling right. cheese and onion crisps behind the bar, <laughs> and, and that's 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 what people took as a cheese. No, it, it's too posh for crisps. <laughs> <laughs> so so, is there going to be any cheese at all, or have I been sold a lie? Because I was contemplating a Spurs season ticket just to get no, no cheese. cheddar. No, no cheese, cheese. No. Apart from in the opening ceremony, of course. I'm interested <laughs> by Joss's suggestion that the run will be so good that Champions League is likely in terms of your two views sitting in the studio do you think he's bang on yeah I, I expect us to to qualify I think like he says from the from the seven games that we had left before yesterday I, I could pretty much nail down five wins I think that West Ham game yeah. will be a, a difficult game because they always raise themselves they'll they'll be looking forward to the new stadium and West Ham have 
have got some really talented players. And if they click, particularly if they score first, then it makes that a really interesting game. But I would expect us to beat West Ham, but I'm certainly not sitting here saying we'll definitely go and beat West Ham because they've, they've given us problems before. Josh, one element of this new stadium and the fact that it is so wonderful, that it's so glitzy and modern and expensive and that everyone's talked about it so much, is that you are now a scalp. Everyone is going to want to be the first team to win at Spurs' new ground, the first team to ruin the party. Does that bother you or are you just up for a scrap? I'm up for it. I think we're good enough. I don't think it should affect us. I think if we stay focused, we should be getting Champions League this season. I hope that we will. You know, like I say, I think our run isn't, you know, too difficult. I think, it's, I think you know, we're more than capable as a squad, as a team and as this new stadium to do it. I just want to see it done. Well, you heard it here first, and it should be a good season. Josh, thanks ever so much for your Cheers, call. Cheers, Josh. Have a nice evening. And you, Josh, they're getting in touch from Hertfordshire. If you'd like to call into the show, you can do so on 0208 70 20 558. And we've immediately got another caller on the line. The Spurs fans are very excited about the new stadium, and they're getting in touch with us, which we love. Mark is here from Chelmsford. Thanks ever so much for your call, Mark. You want to talk about the amount of people at the game, which were slightly lower than we expected. Hello, Mark, are you there? Yeah, can you hear me? Oh, we can hear you now, Mark. What What are you saying about the the attendance figures? Well, I mean, it seemed pretty high to me. I could see there was a little gap over on the West Stand, but I think there's the gap between the uh, away fans and the home fans. But yeah. apart from that, I can't understand why they keep saying it wasn't 62,000. Man. It was really packed. Well, so the numbers that are being quoted, Mark, is, of course, the capacity of the stadium is 62,062. And there were apparently 59,000, sorry, that would have been really low, wouldn't it? 59,215. If that was the number, are you surprised? Or, you know, midweek game, tough for people well, to get there. it's a midweek game, isn't it? It's a Wednesday night, people trying to get home. And it was, you know, it was bedlam random anyway. So maybe some people just couldn't get there. I think, I think as well, I think one or two of the corporate areas aren't completely ready, so that, that will have taken it down, as you say, some segregation. And I think, you know, the, the lateness of, you know, I mean, Lee McQueen, for instance, a great friend from this show, he wasn't there because he's booked in Jamaica. Holiday, he's, he's in Jamaica and people have booked to go away or something because the fixture wasn't confirmed as at White Hart Lane until, what, three weeks ago? three weeks ago yeah. and probably some people were thinking oh I might as well go away because I don't fancy going to Wembley with 30,000 for Crystal Palace or something like that and they've got caught out but um, you know, but there were so many people trying to get tickets anyway so yeah, I mean, but, you but, know. but also at the end of the day there was 59,000 in North 17 which is the biggest number in North 17 for since what 1960 something so you know how we're getting ripped for that is beyond me <laughs> well i think that i think the game was sold out so i think all of the, all of the tickets were gone so it's just whether up to the mm. fans to you know to go to go in and uh actually go in through the door yeah a bit of a shame i suppose if you had a season ticket and couldn't yeah. go not to give it to somebody else but i've got three spurs fans here and i've got a question for you we're going to call it the lee mcqueen dilemma if I offered you attending Spurs' new stadium opening or a fortnight in Jamaica, gents, which are you taking? The stadium. The stadium over Jamaica. Jace, what are you saying? I'd do the stadium over Jamaica, but really? then again, I'd do two weeks in Thailand over the stadium. So oh, so hang on. It's, it's coming slide. down to country you know, It's down to location, location. Unless, <laughs> unless there's a test match in Jamaica or something well, like that. Moving the goalpost. Mark, what are you saying? I can offer you Jamaica or Thailand. I'm not fussy. A nation of your choice. That or the stadium opening. 
I don't know what. I need a holiday, so I'll, I'll take Jamaica, please. You take Jamaica. Okay, so Lee, you're off the hook. Keep dancing on that beach. <laughs> Mark, thanks ever so much for your call. Lovely to talk to you, mate. Mark there getting in touch from Chelmsford. If you'd like to get on the line for a chat, do it. 0208 70 20 558 is that number. And we'll be back with you in just a moment. This is Love Sport. We're inundated with your calls here on the Spurs Fan Show, which is how you like it. Before the break, we had Mark calling from Chelmsford. Now we've got another Mark, Mark from Brixton, who wants to talk about the stadium. Mark, thanks ever so much for your call. Were you there for the big game last night? Yes, I was, mate. Yes, I was. It how was, was it? Fantastic. It was amazing. I can Trust hear me. your <laughs> smile, Mark. You know when someone's <laughs> grinning and you can hear it in their voice. Oh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, man. That was one hell of a game and a brilliant opening for a stadium. It was an amazing. Atmosphere was off the roof. Listen, it was it was fantastic. And we got the three points as well. I don't care about the goals. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. We won. And we won in our new stadium. That was just amazing. Uh, Mark, are you it's buying good. any of this rubbish about 59,215 rather than 52,062 in the ground? Listen, uh, uh, to me, I think, that, I think it was 60,000, 70,000 there. It was so, <laughs> so fucked up. I actually heard it was 350,000. <laughs> the, the whole place was, was amazing. North London was roadblocked off. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, I loved it. Listen, what, what, uh, was it your first well, time there, Mark, or did you go to the test events, or have you have you been to, I've been to, to the, Tottenham I've, I've been over to the, the two years? Event, yeah, right. Okay, yeah, I've been to the test event, and then it was my it was my first game there at the new stadium. Listen, mate, I'm gonna get, have to get a season ticket now, guys. <laughs> listen, that was amazing. I tell you, oh, and Chris, listen, love the videos, mate. Keep keep doing all the videos, mate. I love it. I mean, you did a smashing job on there, mate. Trust me. Mark, I spoke to you in the stadium, didn't I? Um, at the NFL screening, is that right? Yes, yes. Ah, oh, listen, listen. That day was a great day as well. The bear, all the bear getting the quick bear like that. Oh man, <laughs> Mark, I've got, I've, I've, I've got to ask, mate. Are you ever unhappy, or is this just a Spurs thing? Because you sound like the happiest no. man in London right now. Listen, I'm, I'm always buzzing. I'm always up for a laugh. I'm always buzzing. Listen, I love my football and I love my Tottenham. But I'm a happy dude. I, 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 I like life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mark, yeah. Mark, have you touched the bottom of your beer glass and soaked your feet? <laughs> soaked your feet because you're suddenly watching a whole pint pour out like I did on Saturday. Hang on. Okay, hang on, hang on, Mark. We got we, you. You three have got to do this for me, right? Because I'm I'm not a very clever bloke. I was never good at science. <laughs> I need you to explain this. The pints that fill up from the bottom, yeah. I understand how you get the beer in. What I don't understand, which seems to have happened to you, Jace, is how you stop the beer falling out the bottom. What? How do these it work? It's a little magnetic cap. It's a little magnet, yeah, a little magnet on. at the bottom. Yeah. And so, Jace, you managed to but pour then, one all over I, yourself. I, not quite a full one. I thought, let me just see how that works. I'm put my finger through the of it and ended up with it all over my feet. But The go. amount of people that do go. that is but, hilarious. But you could tell by the concourse I wasn't the only one who'd done that. On, can can I ask, Jason, was that your first beer? Or? No, it was the third one, I think. So. Funny that. Funny that. <laughs> Mark, we've been asking all our callers in. I've got to ask you. Everyone's feeling massively optimistic. Yeah, the, the ground yeah. has led to this incredible atmosphere around the place. Last night, good result. Not just the win, but the clean sheet as well. Do you now yeah. see Spurs as favourites for a top four finish? Yeah, I do. With the fact that we're in the stadium now, we can just 
we can get a, a, a pre-run of it. Like, I mean, get, in, get nest ourselves in with the stadium and get used to the ground. I think we're, we're, we're going to be going on for a full spot, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And, well, and next season, it'll be even better because we had a little warm-up to the stadium. You know what I mean? Yeah. Every game, every game is going to get better and better. And every game we get there is going to get better and better. And the atmosphere will get even more better. You know what I mean? Because it's just a warm-up. It's all we're a bit nervous there. We're a bit nervous at the stadium. Everything's new, but we're going to get full spot for sure. Definitely. We have to. Top man. Well, you're a happy man. You're a confident man, Mark. It's been lovely to talk to you, Mark, calling in there from Brixton, the happiest man in London. Your calls are still flying in. You can get in touch on 0208 70 258 or at Love Sport Radio across the socials. We're now joined by Paul on the line, who's ringing from northwest London. Paul, are you as happy as Mark? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's wonderful. You, you're walking down the high road. And you can see the cockerel in the distance on top of the stadium. It's amazing, you know. Um, and when you're in there, you realise just how much work has gone into the place to get it working for, you know, what well, we had, you know, nearly 60,000 people in there. Um, and, you know, people turned up really early. They're in there from five o'clock or earlier. Um, and it's full, you know, and people are enjoying it, you know, getting, getting well-priced food, decent beer and all the rest of it. And, you know, almost all of the infrastructure sort of held up to the strain of having all those Spurs people in there trying to drink it dry. So, Paul, I was seeing various things on Twitter that seemed to suggest that while it was a great night and the atmosphere was brilliant, the infrastructure possibly didn't hold up all that well. I was hearing reports of really long queues for the loo, for beers, for food. Was that not something you experienced? Yeah, well, OK, so let's, let's be realistic. So that's the third event that we've had with a large number of people in. And of course, first problem you have is people are milling about trying to find their areas and finding out what's good, taking a look around to see what it's like. Having 60,000 people all trying to do that at once, but bar the away support, it makes it difficult. And, you know, I, I did see queues, um, but I, I, my standard was I managed to get out at half time and I didn't go right at the, at the initial whistle I went about five minutes after half time and I managed to get to to buy food you know two lots of food and get back to my seat before kick off for the second half Paul I've got to ask now, what, what did you go for because we've heard that there's <laughs> there's all kinds of choice at they the ran out of stuff. yeah sure so they ran out of some stuff so it was uh it was uh, sausage and chips wow, and that, you could do worse but but you know what but you know what? That was great. And yes, I couldn't get a Beaver Town beer just before the game because on that particular outlet, they'd run out. So I'd have a poxy Heineken. So I wasn't too happy. <laughs> but, but, Other but good lagers are available. <laughs> no, no, it was just crap, you know. Um, but but hang on. But, you know, let's just look at, look at it in the overall piece. It's going to take a little while to settle in. But there were no catastrophes. You know, it... They, well, yes, there were some difficult. catastrophes. Yes. Jason of this good parish managed to pour a beer down himself, so it was <laughs> wasn't all sunshine oh, well, and rainbows. There's nothing you can do, nothing can do for that. But, <laughs> but I think um, I, 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 you know, the effort that the club put in um, was huge. Uh, you know, the entertainment value was brilliant, and they must have made that much money. Daniel Levy must be, you know, if he's sat in his counting house now, um, 
there's probably at least five quid spare for a new signing, you know, possibly. Four ninety nine anyway. <laughs> well, of but, course, you know, we're hearing reports of profits today that are setting world record levels. So it possibly. was. It looked great. But, yeah, and no, let's look. We're all fans, right? And the one thing we want is our club to be strong and stable. To quote a famous government minister. Um, <laughs> for now. But, and yeah, for now, yeah, right. But to be strong and stable. Um, to be well managed, to, to be well organised, not to be throwing cash at the sort of the next bright prospect, but trying to build up for our own players. And yes, making some astute purchases, I'm sure that will be part of the, that needs to be done. But you know, we're, we're trying to do it the right way and keep control of our club. And uh, you know, to, to leave Pochettino, the players, and all the staff um, yesterday was a total triumph. Yeah, there's a few glitches. Given what your understanding, what that thing is, bear in mind, you couldn't. They weren't even sure that they were going to have the thing open for Crystal Palace. You know, if you go onto our Spurs, you still can't find any advice for away support. You know about the no bag policy and stuff like that. You know, I tipped off an, uh, one of my Crystal Palace mates. You know about it, but you know we're getting there. Will be glitches and bumps, but I think. The effort and the willingness is there to get it done and to fix these, fix the problems. There are some, but they're not the sort of problems like, you know, the ground suddenly disappeared into a hole or half the stadium's fallen down or the stuff like that. Roll out or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the pitch didn't roll out. We suddenly found we were playing on Astro turf by accident or something. I think with the infrastructure within the the stadium, you've got five games. They're all, in a weird way, test events. I mean, in terms of queues for beers, you have to have some understanding. The staff serving, it's the first time they've had 60,000 in the stadium as well. And, you know, Mm. you can't practice for that. You you, you had 30 and 45, but 60,000 is entirely different. You've got a, a different yeah. mood set for a competitive game. I mean, the intergame right. Saturday, yeah. I went down for a beer at half time, And you know what? I, I didn't really mind if it, the second half kicked off and I hadn't been served because it's it's not competitive and you, you're seeing all the old players. Whereas there's far more of a rush, obviously, last night for people, demand, particularly at nil-nil rather than being 4 yeah. nil up. And, and of course, the yeah. newness means people are milling around, taking pictures and looking for, the, for oh, yeah. X, Y and Z, which they won't be in time. So yeah. I think within the stadium, some of that infrastructure, it's just the newness that any new building, any new airport, yeah. any new office block, anything like that gets yeah. gets the same problems. But there's this real... And we will change things. We yeah, will of course change they will, things, I'm sure over the it. summer. Um, which is fine. But you know what? Um, we're, we're so, you know, if you looked at it, there's ninety percent right. Yep. But there's this and ninety percent real... right. Yeah. Yeah. There's and this. It feels like home. Yeah. There's this real like uh, togetherness now at the stadium because the fact that you can actually go in the stadium two three hours before it isn't just about a ninety minute football match now. It is a, a real yeah. all day affair. And you know one yeah. of the test events at the uh, the South Stand. Um, a lot of people didn't even go back to their seats for the second half. They were singing, "We've got Ali." For, for 30, 40 minutes throughout that second half because the beer yeah. was flowing, everybody's in a good mood and everybody is just so glad to be back home. But I completely agree yeah. with you, Paul, that there are a lot of uh, teething problems and there will be until um, the end of the season. I've no doubt about that. There's a lot of new staff. The club have generated um, a lot of new jobs and uh, you know people yeah. are doing jobs there for the, for the very first time. 
Um, there are a lot of cues, but I'm sure that, that we'll get through that and, and every game will be a better one and a better experience. And listen, yeah. I, I'm saying it again. I'm in, I'm genuinely, I'm not even joking here. I'm impressed by anyone who can pour a beer into those glasses properly. <laughs> I, I don't care how long it yeah. takes. You give me 10 minutes, I'm not working it out. Paul, I've been asking. Well, you know, an well, away fan. You know what I'm the only thing I'll say, just the away fans. The other thing is, I mean, my uh, my Crystal Palace mate was there and he had a great evening and his mates had a great evening and they thought it was a great stadium. So, you know, um, yeah, nice of them to turn up. And to be fair to them, they helped create what was a fantastic atmosphere. Yeah. If you wanted any any club to be there to play your first game and lose, <laughs> um, <laughs> and at least to make plenty of noise while they were doing it, Crystal Palace did us proud, I think. Yeah, fantastic set of fans at Palace. Paul, I've been asking all of our callers into the show, are you now confident about top four? Do you think that the stadium's going to give this atmosphere, this belief, and lead to a really good run into the end of the Premier League season? Well, I, I see it. We left White Hart Lane um, on an unbeaten season at home. We're back home and we're unbeaten. And that's how I think it's going to stay. That's what I said, isn't it? It's 24 games unbeaten in yeah. North 17. And that's, that's, right. that's a huge thing to build on. That's right. One for the Thanks history books, I'm sure. Paul, thanks ever so much for your call. Paul, they're getting in touch from North West London. You can get in touch as well. 0208 70 20 558 or at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Stay with us here on the Spurs Fan Show because coming up, we've got to talk about the ceremony. This is Love Sport. You are listening to the Spurs Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow and Jason McGovern and Chris Cowlin of Last Word on Spurs. Just a reminder that Last Word on Spurs are up in the finals of the FBA, so you can vote for them there. And Chris Cowlin himself is in the finals for two categories, so you can get involved on his behalf And if as you have well. voted, many thanks. Yeah, and if yeah, you have voted, sure. many thanks Thank you very indeed. Much. It was a funny night weather-wise, wasn't it, when you waved goodbye to White Hart Lane? And it was a funny night weather-wise when you said hello to the new one. Yeah, um, it was almost the, the pitch was going to turn white. It was uh, it was snowing and, and sleet at, at one point. And, um, yeah, it was just a... a well, I can't help but keep saying it was just great to be back. And, you know, whatever the weather, um, we had to get the job done. And uh, I'm glad the players did. It was always, like I said earlier, it was the, the link a bit like the opera singer. We had that yeah. freak storm at the old White Hart Lane just when it was closing with that horrendous downpour and, and it kind of just perfectly linked together. We All we missed last night was the, was the rainbow and it would have been the, the absolute <laughs> perfect perfect scenario. Quite hard to have a rainbow in the dark, probably. <laughs> but who knows? It was a special night. could have happened. Let's talk about the opera singer then and let's talk about this opening ceremony because various fans of other clubs... I've been having a pop about the opera singer because it emerged that whilst he is a famous and successful opera singer uh, who sung, I think, over 30 games for the Welsh rugby team, he also is better known for singing the Go Compare adverts. Mm. And the phrase that I saw being used rather ungenerously on Twitter was tin pot. Do you think that's fair? Well, go compare our stadium to any hey, other. There he Come is. on. <laughs> <laughs> that is why Chris Cowlin is up for two categories in the finals of the FBAs. You can vote for him and last word on Spurs. I always thought go compare was Rafa Benitez. <laughs> I was convinced it was. But, but, but no, I mean, um, 
you know, he, he certainly didn't come on in his silly moustache and, yeah. and Singo compare last night. Doesn't every club have supporters that you'd rather not have? Well, you know? but with that, he is a supporter. And would you rather have a supporter who, okay, has done some silly adverts, but is an opera singer, do it. Because you could have got, you know, some really bang average pop stars like Little Mix or something. But is Let, it not better to have a Spurs fan? Let's face it, whatever Tottenham were going to do for the opening ceremony at that stadium... People was going to have a pop. Of course they are. Of course they are. It's, people are, are highly jealous of our stadium. They really are because... Whenever um, any Tottenham fan enters the stadium for the first time, it is wow. And it is going to be exactly the same for any away fan. They're going to say wow. But when they're putting out on social media, on Twitter, Facebook and whatever, they're not going to say, oh, wow, what a stadium Tottenham Hotspur have got. They're going to slate it in whatever way they, they, they want. And the other thing is, who's the ceremony for? The for fans. Liverpool fans to watch, for exactly. Everton fans to watch, for Arsenal fans, or is it for Tottenham fans? So as long as you mm-hmm. please... The, the Tottenham fans, that's all that matters. Other clubs, you know, you have goal music at some stadiums. Some yeah. stadiums read out the team sheet where they give out the first name and it's the cheesy thing of everyone shouting out the surname. All clubs have their their cheesy things involved. Even your Walsalls and the Hartlepools and things like that do stupid things. But as long as our own supporters liked it, that's all that matters. I, th- I thought it was excellent. I thought it was very classy. Um, the fireworks at the, at the top of the stadium, it just, it looked incredible. And, uh, after after the players saw all of that, you know, the, what pressure the players would have been under to, to think to themselves, we need to get a result here. But it also put pressure on Palace. I mean, James Tompkins came out and talked after the game and said he basically had his head messed with by having to stand on the pitch in the sleep and watch <laughs> it all. And he was basically saying... <laughs> well, it worked then. <laughs> yeah, well, he didn't say it in so many words, but it was basically I was cold by the time we kicked off. It was a wonderful night. And one man who wants to talk about it is Dave, who's got on the line. He's ringing in from South End. How did you find it, Dave? I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Um, I, I think Daniel Levy's done a fantastic job in uh, bringing it all together. And anyone who saw the opening ceremony, yes, it did go on for a little while, but not, un, you know, it was started at half seven and um, we had the singing and, um, you know, the homage to the riots of 2011, which I think was a good touch because through that, it, the the stadium was born because before that it was a, it was all a no go. No one was interested. Uh, we had this, we had the the farce of the Stratford thing, which no one wanted to go there, and uh, no one could see the light. And then suddenly, with the uh, riots, they thought, oh, well, let's all get on board. Let's try and make let's put some money into Tottenham, you know. So um, that's where it was all born. So I think there was a vision there, and. Uh, Really, it's taken 20 years. He's, you know, the uh, Enoch boys have been there 20 years, and um, it's taken 20 years to get all that land, uh, the 12 or 15 acres of land. They've had petrol stations demolished, and uh, they're, they're hold out for that printing company for two years. Um, I mean, there was a funny fire there. Um, we don't know who, who <laughs> calls that. I think but, there was uh, no, there, I, there was absolutely no suggestion that there, there was, was anything no untoward. There was anybody. I, I've heard it suggested that Chris was around <laughs> filming that day. There was a little <laughs> short. He's, he's a little no, bit I of think, a shortage think, in his think, battery. And I think it was firework night, and I think there must have been a loose firework went in there. Yeah, I've, but, I'm sure there was absolutely nothing <laughs> that wasn't random chance about that particular blaze. Absolutely. Day. It was but, nice to pay homage to them last night with the fireworks coming out 
the stadium, wasn't it? It was <laughs> no, just a yeah. nice little Yeah, well, symmetry. there you go. See, so anything can happen. But, um, no, I think the, the vision from that was, um, and, and no one would have given us a, a, a chance, really, after all those riots and thinking, well, who's going to put money into that? And then but basically they said, well, look, something's got to be done and uh, let's all get on board. So, And Dave, with know. that, getting on board and reacting to the riots, we saw David Lammy, MP, yeah. there yeah. speaking, yeah. talking very eloquently about the good that Tottenham as a club and this stadium specifically can do for the community. Do you think yeah. that's an important part of Tottenham's oh, identity? Uh, yeah, absolutely, for the identity and, for, and to moving forward because I think, you know, it hopefully will gentrify the surrounding area. You know, it will... It will bring money, hopefully, into the area and um, try and build it up a bit because, obviously, it has um, deteriorated uh, in some... Obviously, some areas have deteriorated, but, you know, this I think someone says it's like a flying saucer flying into, you know, into all those kebab shops and um, tobacconists and barber shops, but... <clears throat> I think that's an important yeah. thing as well because... Modern-day football clubs are accused and, and are so often criticised of doing nothing for communities and yeah, being yeah, standoffish from fans and things. And I think when you when you look at a lot of what Daniel Levy's uh, statement was last night and his comments, I mean, as, as well as building a stadium for Tottenham, you, you do get the feeling for Tottenham Football Club, you do get the feeling that the regeneration of that area was a really mm. big driving force for him. And oh, I, I think, think he he'll was. take yeah, a lot absolutely. of pride in, in what's happening at Tottenham and the, the people that will be attracted to it. I know everyone will moan that it, we'll have the NFL and we'll have rugby there, but that's that's modern life in well, modern stadiums. He it's, wants it's them people the coming times. to it's Tottenham. moving with the times. Exactly. You can't, you can't stop. You've, you've got to move with the times. And if, you can, if it brings in income... Um, these places want to be open. If you go abroad, you go to PSV and places like that. They, their their um, grounds are open twenty you know, every day of the year. You can go and go to the restaurant there and things like that. So I think that is what they've got to um, lean to. They've got to try and obviously try and get this uh, stadium paying for itself. They're not just for once once a fortnight. It's got to um, be doing more than that. So um, and it is a fantastic. Arena. I think as well, the, the other thing to, to remember is, in terms of Haringey, we all know is, is I think it still is London's poorest borough, isn't it? Yeah. You, you have yeah, to bear yeah. in mind, Tottenham Hotspur are the biggest employer in the borough, mm. and they're the company with the biggest turnover in the borough. So yeah. there's, there's a hell of a lot of responsibility on Tottenham to do, the, to, to, to do a lot of the work for the borough and the community, yeah, and, and I'm pleased to see them do it. And, I, and, yeah, I don't, and, and also, I don't think that a lot of people realise how much community work and charity work Tottenham mm. do. Um, they don't necessarily shout about it, but they do an awful lot of work with the local community. Um, but the, the, Dave, can I just ask you how did you how did you feel when you first set foot in that stadium? Oh, it was you know everything that I thought it might be and hoped it would be, and it was. It was it, it, some. There is something for everyone there. Yes, it's not. It's completely different from the old White Hart Lane. But um, having said that, it's twice as big. And uh, I say there's there's something for everyone, even for you know the, the average fan going up to the, the person who's going to be in the Tunnel Club or the Ace Club or you know for high high worth people. Absolutely, uh, David. It's, it's the modern stadium for the modern club. Thanks ever so much for your call, Dave. They're ringing in from Southend. More talk about the stadium in just a moment. 
This is Love Sport. Glory, glory, Tottenham Hotspur indeed. You are listening to the Spurs Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow and Jason McGovern and Chris Cowlin of Last Word on Spurs, who are, by the way, up in the finals for the FBAs. You can vote for them in Best Podcast. And Chris is up for two FBAs on his own, so you can vote for him as well. Talking of Chris Cowlin, I've been hearing reports that, you know, we've, we've discussed a lot about what's brilliant about this new stadium. We said the atmosphere is great. They can fire fireworks out the roof. But, Chris, I'm hearing that they can't get the sort of cashier points to work, the checkouts, the brilliant. tills. It's brilliant. So what, brilliant. what does that mean for the, for the fan? Oh, um, well, I actually, I was very lucky to be invited up to the Sky Lounge um, for the second test event. And um, the tills weren't working and um, they just had to give the drinks away. And uh, the drinks were flowing and... Yeah, it so was what, a, what was your order, Chris? It was a good day. Four, four or something and four or something <laughs> and four or something. <laughs> the drinks were just flowing. And, and how uh, many of you were there, Chris? Oh, there were a few of us. Okay. And uh, then the others said, uh, Chris, we're driving. And I went, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a good day. It was a good day all round. Wonderful stuff. It was a good day all round as well. Yesterday on the pitch, of course, we are taking your calls about your experiences at the stadium, how happy you are. If you're anything like Mark listening in Brixton, your grin is taking up the whole of your face. <laughs> you can get in touch on 0208 758 or at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. And as ever, we've got your questions coming in to the show on Twitter. I'd like to start with Gav at G Bosley. With the season not far from being over, who's been our standout player or players this season? Gav says that he thinks Sissoko's been brilliant. Toby and Jan have again been very good. And how can we forget Sonny? The guy just oozes class. Who yeah, are you having? Sonny's had a, had a good season, but um, Sissoko has just been a, a total transformation. And uh, you know what Pochettino's done with him. And yeah, he had a really good game last night. And um, his defensive work is just second to none. He's brilliant. And a lot of the games now, he's our last man. And you know the pace of the guy... Um, it's just a shame um, it just didn't top the, uh, the 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 Liverpool game off with uh, with that, that that shot that he had. He should have been a goal. But um, overall, in 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 the whole of the season, Suzuko is definitely the standout player, and I'm sure that he will win uh, Player of the Year this season. I think it's hard, isn't it? Because we've had, let's be fair, the almost the entire squad have missed giant chunks mm. of the season. Mm. I mean, we've had players. Mean, you look at Eric Dyer's. He's yeah. not played one game since Christmas. And yeah. Victor Wanyama hasn't been seen. Lucas Moore has been in and out. Sonny's been in and out. Deli Ali's just had a massive spell of absence. Of Christian Eriksen hasn't has, has tailed off. So Hugo's made mistakes. So yeah. I think it's a, a strange one. I kind of think if Toby had signed a new contract, <laughs> Toby, <laughs> Toby would probably be player of the season. So you're holding him hostage now? No, no, but I, I think some fans will still be. Yeah. And everyone knows I call Toby, you know, paying whatever he wants. But putting that aside, I think Toby's had a had a pretty good season. But I think the fact that he'll probably leave in, or most people accept he'll leave, that takes him out of the player of the season award. I actually think it's probably just between Harry and Harry's only, I think, missed four or five games. And how many goals has Harry scored this season? It seems strange. He never seems to win it, Harry. Yeah, it's, it's bizarre. It's just, a, I think Musa Sissoko is probably the standout one because... Because of, of everything he's gone through yeah, beforehand, yeah. yeah. Um, I think the goal at Liverpool would have would have sealed it for him. Mm, mm. But, um, 
you know, perhaps that's also the fact Musa is is in the run. It also shows that there hasn't been a real standout, somebody that's elevated themselves week in, week out, like we've we've had in the past. Even, I mean, Jan, Jan, I love Jan, hardly does anything wrong, but even he's missed quite a swathe of the season. And yeah. I think that's that hasn't helped, you know, try and people to decide who is the player of the season. Yeah, I, th- I think Sissoko has been fantastic. He'd certainly be in there for most improved, wouldn't he, as you two are saying? Yeah, Definitely. Well, well, at the start of the season, um, a lot of Spurs fans were criticising him on social media. And, of course, at, even at the games, you know, when, whenever he'd get the ball, people were laughing and people were, were joking about him. And now you take the guy very, very seriously. And as I say, he's a, a lot of the time now he's our last man like for a corner. Um, and he has done a remarkable job, and he, he, you know, he'll run his socks off, and he works very, very hard. Um, I would like to see him score a few goals, but um, you can't have everything. No, you can't. And actually, as a club, Spurs are getting very close to having everything. There might just be one final piece of the puzzle missing. I'm really interested by this question into the show from Anwar at Anwar Tabet. Uh, we have everything in place now. Stadium, training ground, club offices, manager, basis of a good squad. What do we need all the way? And he also says, P.S., I've missed Jace. So there we go. Oh, thank you very much. That's, that's <laughs> nice to hear. Maybe um, Jace is what? The club have been missing. <laughs> well, it's strange because that bad run of form coincided with me not being on. So uh, I think the last time I was on was when we just beaten Dortmund three 0 But I need to stay here. Then so I need the to solution. stay and do every show. That's that's obviously what it is. We all know what what the next stage has to be. Um, but as I, as I said, I think on Monday's show we have all those discussions in the summer. You know, the club's profit. We'll we'll talk about transfer chests and all things like that. Let's just. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Six massive games to go. Let's put all our focus and concentration onto those six. It's worth saying, of course, we can still win a trophy this season. We're still in a cup competition, which a lot of clubs aren't. So let's let's put everything that we can into getting this top four and, and massive games with City. So the away day Cockrell actually replied to Anwar on Twitter. He said, a couple of new signings and a wall of noise is what the club needs. Obviously, we here can't create a wall of noise ourselves. But Chris and Jace, if you were to have to identify two signings, two positions perhaps, that the club really could strengthen to take them up a level, where are we looking at? Right back, central midfield, those two areas of got to be done and I think it's actually more than one player in central midfield if you got, I'm honest. You got so, any players in mind Jace who you'd like to see? I, I, one of them was on the pitch last night I thought he had a fantastic game again Wan-Bissaka and every time I see him I just think come on hopefully we tapped him up last night and, <laughs> and said have you seen the have stadium? a look around that stadium <laughs> mate and there's there's a, there's a slot hopefully he had a little slot in the home dressing room to go and have a sneak preview of but I'd like to sign him that's for sure. Going back to that original point of um, the club they, you know, it's obvious that we really are going in the right direction. We have got um, excellent training facilities. You know, most international teams when they're over here now, they train there. England train there. The the stadium, the manager, the team. Um, it we we have built something really really special here. And uh, let's just hope in the next couple of years we we turn all of this very hard work over over the last what 10, 20 years into into trophies that we really really deserve at the club. I was just going to say as well, let's also look at Daniel Levy's words this week when he said, when I took over the club, Tottenham was not a regular European challenger. Mm. Clearly we are now, and my dream is now to win, both on the pitch and off the pitch. 
we are going to keep going until we get both right. So when people say there is no ambition there and he's done it and now he'll sell it all for a profit, I think we all know that he does, if you're honest about it, he does want to take Tottenham to that next level and complete yeah. the journey. You can argue about how he's going about it. You can argue whether we should have spent, shouldn't have spent this summer. But I'm very confident that he wants us to go to that next level. Well, that is the next step, of course, for Spurs. Those actual trophies. The one that is still a target for this season is certainly also a target next season in the form of the Champions League. That win against Palace, absolutely crucial in terms of getting that league form back on track. But in just a moment, we'll be discussing just how important Champions League qualification could be. This is Love Sport. The battle for those top four places is well and truly on. It's in Spurs' own hands, but in the mix also Arsenal, Chelsea and United. It's looking quite possible that Spurs will get in there, but how important do you think it is that they do? Hugely important. It's, uh, you know, I know I keep going on about the stadium, but when you've got a stadium now of this size, uh, with, you know, most most of our players are top internationals and we must be playing Champions League football there. Uh, we've got to do everything in our power to, to get the points and secure that top four place. I think as well, you know, when the, when the stadium was, was first talked about, Daniel Levy talked and said it's got to be the game changer. I think that was the phrase he used. It's it's our game changer. It's the thing that hopefully enables us to compete on on a financial basis with, I know we can't do what Manchester City do, but there's no reason why we can't compete financially with the other London clubs and Liverpool and things like that at the moment. We see with the, the club profits today, I think it's what we've had. Match day revenues, even at Wembley, have been huge. More to come, Champions League knockout, so the money will will definitely start to be there, and I think that's that's it. It's I don't think he'll I think he will have a good spend in the summer. I don't think he'll be be as uh, frugal as he has been in the past. I don't think he'll be stupid in the summer, but I, I certainly think we'll we'll go out and spend some money and have a real go next. Year. How much? Ooh. What? How much? Is, how much do you bring in? It's, it's impossible to. You're not going to come out a figure. I, I wouldn't say you'd be surprised if the net spend the net spend is hundred. Who do you, who do you think net. who do you think will leave Spurs in the summer? I think Toby will, and then it will be one or two of the fringe players. I don't think Ericsson will in so, the summer. So if you're saying a net spend of a hundred, Toby, if he goes for the clause, you're looking but at twenty five. Then Lorente yeah, yeah. and, and, and so Kudus and people like that. If, so, it, if the net is a hundred, you're looking at what an outlay of 150, 60 million? Yeah, I think somewhere in that region. It wouldn't surprise me if that's what it is. But you know, it's uh, it's it's. As well as spending it, you've got to have the players wanting to come. I mean, we saw in the week who was the Dutch? Was it De Ligt or De Jong talking no, about? No, it was it was Frankie De Jong. Was De Jong talking about how how much he talked? So so there's a case where we'd obviously put the interest in, and Daniel Levy had provided everything that he wanted. But he, you know, if, if you don't feel the time is right for you to move, you don't do it. Or if your mind is really set on on a Barcelona or Real Madrid, then Tottenham will always come later in that shopping window. So. What I won't do is on the first day of the transfer window start saying, why haven't we signed someone yet? Because mm. yeah. you know it may well be that it goes through into the summer. Yeah, and even deadline day. It's about getting the right man. Uh, for anyone who hasn't seen those Frankie de Jong comments, by the way, the Ajax centre mid was obviously everyone wanted him. City wanted him. PSG wanted him. Spurs wanted him. He has now signed a deal with Barcelona ahead of the summer. But he gave an interview where he basically said Spurs are a great club. They've got a great manager. They're being run in the right 
right way. And he was saying, listen, I actually really thought about it. I'd have been very happy at Spurs, but Barcelona are Barcelona. Fair enough. In terms of taking the club forward once the stadium is finished, do you look at Arsenal as perhaps a cautionary tale? In the sense that there you had a club who were promising their fans for years and years and years, listen, our expenditure is being held back by the development of a stadium. And once we get the stadium, it's going to be this brave new world. It's going to be a window into a new era for the club. And it hasn't really exploded into that since the Emirates was completed. Do you think that could be what happens to Spurs? Or do you think the Gunners just got it wrong? I think that I, I hear the, the constant chatter about Tottenham have become the new Arsenal because you know all they care about is top four and things like that. I think the big difference is... But whereas with Tottenham you're going from a position where we were a we were a nothing club through the through the nineties, we became a Europa League club mm-hmm. and we've ended up being in a couple of title challenges. And so yes, top four when you've never had it yeah. is obviously going to be a big thing. Arsenal were congratulating themselves finishing the top four after they'd had it for fifteen years in a row and after they'd gone unbeaten in a whole season of winning league titles and things. So, you know, they're they're they should have been looking to continue winning the league title rather than just being a top four club. We're taking those first steps, like a little bit like Manchester City did when when the the first of the, the the Arab money came in and they went and bought Rubinho and people like that. And I think perhaps the thing we must do in the summer, I'm looking to attract one player where we beat Manchester City, Chelsea, Arsenal, Liverpool to that player, whoever that player may be. I think we need to be in one player where we look and say, we've got him and Man United didn't. So you mean in not just in the sense of the player therefore being good, but as a statement? Yeah, as a, as a statement break. I mean, Manchester City did that, I think, with Rubinho, didn't they? He was the... That was a when bizarre they went. It was a bizarre signing. He did think he was go. going to United or Chelsea, didn't yeah, he? <laughs> well, they, they kidnapped Berbatov as well at Man United, <laughs> didn't they? But, but, you know, like that Yaya where, where people think, why has he chosen Manchester City over at that time? Why, mm. why would he go there over... Manchester United. So and we need to do that. I it's interesting. You've, you've made that City comparison twice there. Do you guys see Spurs as being where City were five, ten years well, ago? We're, we're growing. And um, last night, it would have been on World News, you know, the opening ceremony, the game, the stadium. Any any future potential signing who, who looks at that stadium, enters the stadium, then everyone knows that we've got one of the, you know, the top managers in the world as well. So not only have we got the best stadium, we've got the one of the best managers and we've got some fantastic players. So why would anyone not want to come? And I personally genuinely believe that um, transfer funds were available, um, you know, in the in the transfer windows. But Pochettino just didn't want to um, sign anybody because the, the right players didn't come along. I think as well, we're, we're probably ahead of where City were then. Oh, miles Because ahead. I think... You know, Tottenham have now had three seasons of the Champions League. We're into the quarterfinals now. We, we were into the knockout stages last year. So as a, as a player, if you're in, in Europe, in France, whatever, you, the, the name of Tottenham is now clear to you, even mm. if it's not winning trophies yeah. and things. You are thinking, well, Tottenham are in there again and they've just beaten them and they're, now they've gone to Barcelona and got a draw. As City, at that particular time, had still not been in the Champions League and they didn't even get it that first season, did they? Because we, we took it off them. So I think we're ahead of where City are then. Obviously, Manchester City now are miles ahead of where we are. But at that particular time, I think it's we're, we're a better club now than they were at that time when they made those signings. Definitely, and and, and every European team will know who Tottenham are. Certainly after yeah. the, the Real Madrid game and the 
you know, last season and Barcelona and Dortmund and, you know, people are really taking notice of Tottenham now. Absolutely. And I think you make a great point about City back then, back in sort of 2008, 2009. It was bizarre because they were suddenly this broadly mid-table team with Rubinho up front. And actually, they were a really good example, Chris, of what you were saying Pochettino's looking to avoid in the sense that they kind of just went, all right, 30 million quid for Joe. Yeah, that'll do. And some of them work, like Vincent Company. But actually, you don't want success just by spending randomly and hoping some of the signings stick. No, I think that's why some of us fans, and me included, that's why I think that we would probably like an FA Cup or a League Cup on the way. I think a lot of us are just impatient, thinking, you know, we're we're, we're building this very successful club, um, you know, the right way, um, but we just want a few trophies on the way. Um, but Pochettino and Levy, you know, they're very sensible people, um, and they are aiming for the Premier League and the Champions League. They're thinking big, and they want big. Well, they're glass half full. We're very glass half full here in the studio. And talking of glasses, we've had a tweet into the show from Carl Picknell, uh, who says the problem with the pint glasses at the new stadium is the magnetic disc at the bottom of the glass is like a big red button with a sign saying, do not press. You just can't resist. Let's hope Donald Trump isn't listening. This is Love Sport. You're listening to the Spurs Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow and Jason McGovern and Chris Cowlin of Last Word on Spurs. As ever, we want to hear from you. That number is 0208 70 20 558 or at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. And I'm delighted to say we've got our third Mark of the night on the line. Just for the record, you are allowed to call in if you're not called Mark. But equally, if you are called Mark, we're not against the quadruple here at the Spurs Fan Show. Uh, evening, Mark. Thanks ever so much for your call. Were you there last night? Uh, unfortunately, no, I was uh, at work, but I was there for the test event uh, last Saturday. And I'm the guy that used to work at the old White Lane. Oh, yes. Hi, Mark. We've spoken before, haven't we? Hello, Mark. Yes. You, do you miss Hello, the mate. old ground Hi, still? Um, yes, because it was obviously devastating for Spurs fans for the stadium to close. But actually working now and been everywhere possible in that stadium on the roof the, the, about the cockerels and the little quirks of the place is devastating but to see this new stadium as I walked out I'm getting emotional now about it it's just amazing do you know what I mean it's the hairs on the back of my head um, back of my neck was standing up and it was just absolutely amazing and you're, as soon as the, the, the game sort of stop for a minute, you're looking around the stadium and picking up little things and saying, oh yeah, that looks a bit like highlights and that looks a bit like the, the, this, that and the other. And it's just absolutely amazing. It's Tottenham have moved forward and be the best stadium in the country. I think for me, it's a, it's a strange one, the, the old White Hart Lane, because my first White Hart Lane had the shelf and the original West Stands and the, the lower Paxton and the Park Lane. So what what White Hart Lane became, I didn't have a big emotional attachment to that. The day it got knocked down and that, I wasn't tearful. I just thought, no, because my first stadium isn't this. This now feels like White Hart Lane to me more than the the old one because, yes, it's new, but it's been done all at once. It's been done with genuine planning and that in mind Mm -hmm. rather than we built that original West Stand in, what, 82 and then bolted a little bit onto it at one end and 
kind of a mishmash and it ripped down the heart of the shelf to put the east stand on so i i didn't have that emotional thing with the the stadium that we left this one i kind of already feel even though it's totally different from the first thing i ever went to i feel like that's home and that that's the big difference i think with this one Mark, how, how did you find when you set foot in the, for the first time? Because I know when I went in, it was the first thing I thought of. Wow, this is, it feels yeah. like White Hart Lane. It's very close to the pitch and, you know, just a bigger version. Yeah, exactly. That That is it. And it, it, how can I put it? it there's, there's no words to describe it. I know there's a wow factor, but personally, the stadium is sexy. Do you know what I mean? It's... Do you normally go no, for no, long? No, I'm not going that far. <laughs> Mark, if you, if you don't mind me asking live on the radio, do you normally go for large metal structures? <laughs> that's that's a secret. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is so much, there's so much that you want to investigate around the stadium. I'll tell you something, after the game on Saturday, the test event, we went down and got into the old South Stand. And did you know that Daniel Levy's two sons actually walked through everybody yeah. just to get the, the atmosphere? So, so do, you, do you understand what I mean? Even they're a buzzing about the stadium. Everyone's hugely excited. And I, I, I just love calls from people like you and you know Mark earlier because... Which Mark? It, 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 <laughs> it, 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 it is just fantastic that everyone you speak to, like me and Jason were saying earlier before the show, that... Um, Everybody was just so positive and uh, no one was talking about us losing yesterday because um, there was just so much excitement about, you know, we're back home and Wembley feels like a long time ago now. We've only been in there for three events, but it just feels like we've been, you know, always been there and it's, it's great. It's a great feeling. And full credit too as well, I think, for the players last night because mm. they would have had that feeling and yeah. there was three points at stake. There was something to concentrate on on the pitch and whilst... Whilst, like I say, the press have said it was a nervy win and things like that. When you actually look at it, 27 shots to Palace's four yeah. and what was it, 67% possession and eight corners to one and things like that. Yeah. They actually did put the, once the game started, they did put it to the backs of their mind, concentrate on the game and, and come up with a professional performance. And that was, you know, we'd have all had a different feeling this morning had it been called Spursy and they've bottled their big night and things like that. So full credit to the players last night. By the way, it was, I think, the best April Fool I saw earlier in the week was the, the suggestion that Coca-Cola were going to sponsor the new Spurs stadium uh, with the slogan, Bottled It, which would have been absolutely wonderful. Mark, it isn't sponsored by Coca-Cola. It is, however, wonderful. Thank you ever so much for your call there. Mark 3 calling in from Enfield, and your calls are still flooding in. If you'd like to join the masses, you can do so on 0208 70 20 558 at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. We're joined by Shubin from Enfield, who wants a chat, surprise, surprise, about that large metal structure that Mark was so keen on. Shubin, was it a good night? Yeah, it was brilliant. I mean, I, I can call Mark if you want to quadruple, if it helps. I can tell my <laughs> name, I do call if it helps, but yeah. Um, no, because it was interesting, because my first time in the stadium was actually on uh, Saturday for the, for the Legends. I, I wasn't able to go to the actual game last night, but... Some friends of mine came all the way from San Diego. This was their first game, first time actually in Tottenham, and their first time going to the game. And just to see their experience and just to see how they reflected, it was just incredible. And just to, to, to make that journey from N15 to N17, it was just brilliant. And um, obviously, I got to meet Jay on Saturday, and that was fantastic. Thank you for your time on Saturday, Jay. It's all right, so, yeah, mate. It was, it was a pleasure a, to meet up brilliant. with you at last. 
and so yeah, and I think it's an incredible credit to Lee because people don't I don't think people realise how much it takes to do such a build, the, the, the you know the planning permission, the financing, everything. That and I, and I actually I know this sounds it sounds really silly, but for some reason, as I as watched his um his message his message that he was doing, I actually had a little tear in my eye. I was actually watching it. I couldn't believe it. I was actually watching it. I'm like, this is just a building. It's just bricks and mortar or steel or whatever you want to call it. But it I don't know, it just became more than that. And, um, and like I said, when I was, I think it hit me most was when um, you heard the park lane and the shelf side go at it. And it felt like I was being hit by a wave of sound. I just couldn't believe just the sheer, I was in the packs and it just felt like a wave of sound hit me. And I thought, if that's what it's like for legends, I can't even imagine what it would be like on a, you know, under, under the lights, European night. And, you know, hopefully, you know, it might knock a few Man City players down, hopefully. Well, I was about to say, Shubin, do you think that will rattle them? Because we saw in the Champions League last season, a major factor in Liverpool knocking City out was the fact that the fans gave their players a really hard time. I'm obviously not advocating throwing stuff at their bus <laughs> and so on, uh, which should not be done. Good idea. If you're listening, don't throw anything at the Manchester City bus. But that said, once they're in the stadium, projectiles aside... Could making a racket actually get into the head of the likes of Aguero, of Silver, and so on? Um, I don't know. Aguero, I mean, he's obviously being from Argentina, he's probably played in some of the toughest venues, and you know, he's been in very, really intimidating atmospheres. And obviously, you know, I mean, obviously, Pep Guardiola, he knows intimidating atmospheres. You know, he obviously has managed Barca and you know, Bayern and stuff like that. So you know, he, he, he's been for the rigmarole and all that kind of stuff. But I think for players, though, the, the, the sight lines and everything else. I don't think players will be as familiar. You know, that's obviously because they, you know, I think God, they'll have like an hour or so, a couple of hours of training on the pitch. But that's just nowhere near enough to get an idea of just the familiarity. Whereas hopefully we'll be training, well, I don't know how, how many more days, something, just to get familiar and used to it and get that feel of the pitch. And so I think that could be an advantage. But I definitely think, you know, when that part line gets going, you know, that will be like an 11th and a half, even 12th man. And I, I'm hoping we can get a result. But like I said, just I'm really grateful to. I think they get a lot of bad press, rightly or wrongly. But what they've done for the area. Cause I'm, I'm originally from Seven Sisters, New York to Northumberland Park, and what they've done, and they just transformed the area. So I'm really grateful to them for that. Yeah, it was re- it was really nice actually to see the the players train there last week, and uh, to, to to you know to see the photos and videos of their reactions of seeing the stadium for the very first time and and training on there. Um, but you're right, the the Champions League. Um, next week should just be absolutely incredible and I'm just so glad that we have got a Champions League game this season Um, and full credit to both Crystal Palace and Brighton for actually agreeing that whatever happened in their FA Cup matches that we would play a league game um, in order for us to then play the Champions League game in the stadium this season And, and that's brilliant news and next week should be incredible. I find it bizarre Manchester City have apparently returned was it a couple of thousand tickets? Man. Yeah, they have. Week's two or three. They, they've <laughs> that is barely sold half. absolutely bizarre that they've returned 2,000 tickets for a Champions League quarterfinal. Some I... people have been citing the price. So I think it's sort of 120 quid odd. And some it's Champions say, League quarterfinal. Come <laughs> well, on. Yeah, that would be my view. Maybe they don't want that wall of sound. Maybe we, they've we, heard Shubin going, it's like being smacked. And they've we, gone, I don't fancy that. <laughs> we choose a stadium over Jamaica. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> it's Shubin, not Thailand. <laughs> crucially. Shubin, it's been lovely speaking to you again mate thanks ever so much much. for your call Shubin there calling in from Enfield coming up not just the stadium they're making profit as well what can't Tottenham do
This is Love Sport. Yeah, I think what's going to happen there is that it's good. It's such a massive place and they've got so much going in there that the money coming into the club is going to be much, much more. And of course, with that money, I suppose then they the will bring players in. Those are the dulcet Barnsley tones of Keith Birkinshaw, legendary Spurs manager, who was speaking about the new stadium on the Ian Stone Comedy Breakfast this morning. Uh, you can catch that half past six to half past ten every day. Best breakfast show in radio, and I'm not just saying that because I'm biased. Lovely to have Keith on, and he was as optimistic as we are. Has to be said, not quite as optimistic as the Mark who called from Brixton, but I'm not sure that's <laughs> actually possible. But to be fair on Mark cause for optimism as a Spurs fan, not just because it was three points on the first night for the stadium, not just because we finally cracked how to keep the beer in the glasses, but also (laughs) because it's been announced today that Spurs have made a world record £113 million profit this year, despite the costs of the stadium. Yeah, it might frustrate some fans because they think, well, why aren't we spending any money? But um, Tottenham are a very, very well-run business club um you know we've got we've got this fantastic stadium that will bring now a lot of money in you know concerts uh, rugby matches nfl um you name it it will be at the stadium um the extreme sports as well that will bring a lot of money in a lot of uh, revenue and a lot of uh, visitors from all around the world and tottenham um in america are the the most supported club in America, because Is that true, yeah, we've got the most supporters clubs in America. Is that a Clint Dempsey thing? I mean, where where does that link come from? Excellent marketing. Um, you know, we've been over there the last few summers as well. Um, you know, I've been very fortunate to go go out there and and watch Spurs out there, and it's been brilliant. There there, there are fans all over the world, and and Tottenham are, are very well supported all around the world. It's fantastic. To answer that point about why the money might not be being spent, it isn't all good news for Tottenham Hotspur. So obviously that figure is fantastic, but it's been slightly balanced by a piece in the Times today by Martin Ziegler, who's gone through the accounts and revealed that actually, whilst it does look pretty, £113 million profit, world record, which was of course boosted by extra gate receipts at Wembley and £73 million surplus from player sales, obviously largely from Carl Walker to City, But one thing that isn't factored into those calculations is a loan that the club took out to cover the costs of the stadium, which is more than half a billion pounds. So it's not necessary. The club is, as you say, being run perfectly. They're making money, but it's not going to be a case of just coming out all guns blazing, free spending in the summer because that loan doesn't show up in there. So that's got to be paid off. But but Tottenham aren't that sort of club anyway. We all know that it it would be very sensible purchases if we if we make purchases. And Jason said earlier, if we if we sell players, then obviously we'll spend you know spend that money. Um, so it's a very well run club, and and it's always been like that under Daniel Levy. Yeah, I, the the loans all loans have to be paid back. But I think you know things. The finances of the stadium, that's well and truly costed into it. I, I don't think we're in a position where we'll have to sell Harry Kane to pay the loan back on the stadium, no. which is perhaps one or two people alluding to things like that. Are I they think, really? No, I think, I think some of the journalists and that can, can go down that route. Particularly, th- those types of stories will come up if you miss Champions League football mm. and the cost of the stadium. I think Tottenham will have financed that properly. We still don't know what's happening with the naming rights of the stadium. 
you know that presumably that yeah. will be extra money to yeah. come into it there'll be lots of things coming in so the the half a and let's be fair about it i mean manchester united would love to be only owing half a billion pounds mm. or something wouldn't they and how much to manchester city owe and how much to chelsea owe i mean you know most of those football clubs do carry those huge sums of debt anyway They'll get that back from the fans anyway, because if people keep putting their fingers through these glasses, then they'll yeah. have another <laughs> to keep beer. Keep another beer, as long <laughs> yeah. as the tills work, Chris. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. you will be putting them out of business <laughs> single-handedly. Uh, on that, on the potential of players leaving the club if there isn't Champions League, I'm interested by this question we've had into the show from at Tottenham Boxing, uh, who asked, "Does the panel?" see any circumstances where Ericsson and or Toby Alderweireld actually sign new deals we know the shopping list Madrid have and Ericsson is probably fourth or lower on that list we've discussed on this show before that possibly Christian's had his head turned by interest from the Bernabeu do you think that if Spurs aren't in the Champions League next season he will go um I don't think that we're not even thinking like that, are we? We're thinking that we're going to get Champions League. So uh, yeah. we're not even thinking in the negative of no, uh, not at all. Europa I, League. I think we'll have Champions League football next year. My my gut feeling with Ericsson is that the two clubs he perhaps wants to join, he's not top of their shopping list. So if they go and buy Hazard or they go and buy somebody else, then there's no place for him. I think with Christian Ericsson, what, we, what you might end up seeing is that he signs a... A one-year or a two-year extension with an elder wheel with, a, with a maybe maybe he'll want a clause in there whether he gets it put in or not. But I, my gut feeling is that he will be there next year purely because I agree he won't go to Barcelona or Real Madrid because they won't want him at least. And actually, the way he's been playing of late, is he really doing enough to demand that type of move anyway? But but Ericsson's a fantastic player, yeah, and um, yeah. we need him if we if we are gonna, you know can continue in Champions League and be a force in the Premier League, you need players like Christian Eriksen in your side. Well, as you say, you need him in your side and you need him firing. He started firing last night again, which could be the start of a good run into the season for him. And of course, a good run into the season for Tottenham is absolutely crucial to get that Champions League qualification. And coming up, we'll be talking about the top four battle. This is Love Sport. It's the business end of the Premier League season. There are no two ways about it. Every game now matters. Every game is must win, particularly if you're looking for one of those two available top four places once we discount City and Liverpool. Spurs are well in the mix for that. They currently sit third in the table, but they are up against United, Arsenal and Chelsea for one of those two spots. The run-in for Spurs isn't pretty, but it's not terrible. How do you rate the chances? Um, I'm very confident and I think that um, you know if we go back to the the start of the season with no signings with no stadium and you know you know Tottenham are in crisis even even a lot of our own fans said that and um, a lot of people thought that we wouldn't be anywhere near the top four and it just so happens that we've been you know top four for most of the season and still there we're, we're still sitting in third place so we've got it all to play for and um, you know we've got the majority of games back in, in the stadium and uh, I think that we will do it. Confident man? I am, yeah. I mean, in terms of that fixture list, one of those awful three games against Man City is in the league, Manchester City away. Do you back Spurs to get something there? We've got to. Um, you know, we were so it was gutting uh, Anfield at the weekend. It was a very, very long drive back. I, it, me and my dad were in the car and I don't even think we said two words to one another. The The fact that 
we lost that game in, in such a way. I, I felt that we should have come away with all three points. So to, to actually lose the game, it was just absolutely gutting. Um, we need to approach um, the game in a, in a similar way and just bury our chances when we got them. Absolutely. There is another tough game in there, which doesn't look it on paper, but I was talking to Ricky Sachs of this show earlier, and he was listing West Ham home as one of the bogey games for Spurs. Not because West Ham are a particularly exceptional side, but precisely because they're such an inconsistent team, and one of the sides who they do seem to turn up against is Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah, they've, they, like I said earlier, they've got some really talented players. I think Felipe Anderson's had a had a really good season for them but he's like a lot of the West Ham players of, of that they're incredibly flaky I suppose if you get them on a hot day they can play some really good football at the moment if you get them on a week day, I mean you wouldn't have picked them to lose 2-0 at home to Everton did you see even just the no, highlights and, from that game that, that's a strange so thing so bad yeah <laughs> so bad they can be like that yeah. uh, and yet you know they've beaten Chelsea this year did they beat Arsenal they did beat Arsenal didn't they yeah Declan yeah, Rice 1-0 Declan Rice he's, he's looked good this year and, you know, that that will be the, the big London derby. And, and we have had problems with them at home. I think any of those teams, when I look at any of the sides with the, the run-in, what, what you look at as a difficult as, a, as an easy game, let's say Brighton at home, I think at this stage of the season, if the opposition score first, every game becomes difficult. And you, oh, you saw that, look at Chelsea at Cardiff. We'd have all said, well, Chelsea goes to Cardiff and win that. Cardiff score... All totally different game. Wolves have just beaten Manchester United. You look at some of those fixtures with Chelsea going to Anfield and going to Old Trafford. So somebody's got to drop points there. Man United have still got to go to Man City. I don't look down that list and think anyone is going to win every single game between now and the end of the season. Uh, I think we can lose at City. Mm. I'm not saying we will lose at City or I don't care if we lose at City. But I think if if we lose at City and win the others, then we'll, we'll definitely finish in that top four anyway. But when we were talking about the atmosphere in, in our new stadium, when, when you look at the, the remaining home fixtures, Huddersfield, Brighton, Everton, West Ham, you would hope and you would mm. think that the West Ham one, our fans will really be up for we'll that. We'll be up for that, yeah, and, and, absolutely. And, and the noise in that place will be immense. It will probably be better than all the other games because it is a London derby and we will want to beat them. It's interesting, the team who Spurs are up against for a top four place, whose run-in we haven't talked about, is Arsenal. Now, we might not be talking about them because they're Arsenal and we don't like to talk about them on the Spurs fan show. But the other reason could be that on paper, their run-in doesn't look that nasty. But actually, a lot of Arsenal's games are away. Mm. And Arsenal's away form this season... Haven't kept a clean sheet away all season. It's been absolutely terrible. My housemate is an Arsenal fan. And whenever Arsenal have looked like slipping up against relatively awful sides in the Europa League the likes of Barté Borisov I always go are you surprised and he goes no because we'd lose to Cambridge United away at the moment and I think with that in mind Arsenal's running actually Wolves away well Wolves have taken more points off the established top six than anyone else outside it Leicester away they look terrifying Tielemans and Vardy seem to have some kind of telepathic link and Everton away as well so they could drop points all over the shop the the, the Wolves game would be a hard game for them and I tell you what if we had Wolves in our running I wouldn't be very happy with that because that that is the team has probably impressed me most this season, both home and away. Um, they've been they've been exceptional for a first uh, league back or um, league season um, back in the Premier League. Can you think of a better team, not just in terms of results and the fact that they could well finish seventh and qualify for Europe, but in terms of the performances? Can you Excellent. think of a better side coming up from the Championship? Not really, no, no. I, I think they've been exceptional. Um, yeah, full credit to them. 
They're very, very impressive. I mean, Nuno Espirito Santo, the boss there, is getting plaudits widely for that, and rightly. Firstly, do you see him as a shoe-in for manager of the season? And secondly, how highly do you rate him as a coach? I mean, in a world where Spurs did lose Pochettino, is he the kind of kind of boss you'd be looking at? Oh, we don't want to be talking about replacing Pochettino again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not um, suggesting but, but, that we should. But when they come up from, um, you know, from the championship last season, um, I, I remember watching a show on TV and a lot of their fans were saying, we're going to be in Europe, you know, we're going to qualify for Europe next year. And everyone thinking, what? Don't be silly. But, you know, it was a real statement for them. They and, did spend a lot of money, yeah, to be but, fair. But, but so did we, Fulham. <laughs> we, we've seen it a lot. You know, a lot of Premier League teams spend a lot of money. Um, and they don't they don't do that well, but you know full credit to them. I think the other thing with Wolves though, they've had some their record against the top six is astonishing. I think they've probably got a better record against the top six than we have. Yeah, probably. They yeah. probably have, and yet they lost two 0 at home to Huddersfield. They lost at home to Palace. And lost mad. away to things Huddersfield. like that. And I think the gap between them and and the top six is what fifteen points, yeah. sixteen points. So they've they've obviously had their Wolvesy day, should we call mm. it, because <laughs> where they've bottled it a few times or something. But um, they have they have been impressive against the big clubs, and I think maybe their their style of football will will develop because I think they're tailor made for top six teams, as we said, so well organised. They sit in deep, hit on the break, and then when Huddersfield go there, it's up to Wolves to take the game to them, and they they haven't looked as as comfortable doing that. But um, you can certainly see them being in a cup final, and what a season that would be seventh and a cup yeah. final for them. Yeah. And so when Arsenal look down and say, oh, we've got no easy games, you've got to go to Wolves yet. Yeah. And uh, that's far from an easy game. And a, and a, and a, a real favour for us the other night. And I think as well, the, the, other, the other thing that will come into it in the top four, when, when you look at the, the fixtures left and you, you print them off, you have to take into account where's the Champions League quarterfinal, first legs and second legs, mm. where's the semi-final. If Arsenal, for instance, got a chance, if them and Chelsea are both in the Europa semi-finals, you know, and what's what happens on that Sunday between those yeah. two games? There's a hell of a lot can twists and turns. Well, let, let's face sure. it, we're, including Tottenham. You know, we're not being biased about Tottenham because our form hasn't been that great lately. Um, you know, Man United, Arsenal, Chelsea, and Spurs. They're all, you know, they're all losing games, aren't they? So, yep. games are being lost all over the place. So, it will be a very interesting uh, last few games of the season. It's very hard to call, but I think you're right to be confident about Spurs. I just want to turn our attentions to a couple of these questions in. One's caught my eye from Gwyn Grout at GBG1954, who asked, what do you think about Deli Alley playing deeper? I prefer him closer to Harry. I'm with you, Gwyn. I, I don't like to see him drop deep. I think, you know, he's... I look at him play for England where he plays deeper and he doesn't have the, the impact for England for me that, that he, he does for Tottenham. I like to see him playing right up mm. almost alongside Harry. Those two have such a great understanding. And I think, you know, when he is so deep, you saw on at Liverpool Saturday, that's the type of break that Sissoko made that Deli Ali could have made or yeah. with Kane or something. So I'm not, a f- he can play the role. I think he does a job for the team, but he doesn't excel in that role yet. For, but, you know, in time, he may well do. Talk to me about Deli Ali then, because I'm one of these England fans who I recognise Ali's talent. I like him as a player. I like him as a bloke, actually. I've come round to him as a bloke. But I feel like his figures, and I know the kind of player he is, figures aren't everything, but I feel like his figures aren't all that. 
and he could and possibly should be scoring more goals. Is that unfair? Well, I think in the in the first few seasons he played for Spurs, his his figures were better than people like Gerrard and Lampard. You know, at, at their stage of their careers. So, I think because he achieved so much um, so early on at Tottenham, I we think, now expect too much. Yeah, absolutely. But um, I think there's so much more to come from him. But I agree with you, Jace. I You know, I love to see him forward. He's got a great understanding him and Harry Kane and. Uh, he doesn't seem to be getting in those uh, forward positions and goal-scoring positions that he used to. No, and so that's why his numbers will drop off. Yeah. You know, like I say for England, he does a job for England, but but he often looks just a, an ordinary midfield player for England rather than the player we see at Tottenham. And I, yeah. I think, you know, when he plays for England, he gets... He almost people look at his Tottenham form and think, why doesn't he play for mm. Tottenham like he does? Why doesn't he play for England like he does for Tottenham without seeing that he plays a hell of a lot deeper for England than he does for Tottenham? Do you think there's also an element of him trying too hard for England, Jace? Because what I found when I watched him in the World Cup was that it felt like every time he got the ball, he felt like he had some. It was like he'd been bet by his mates that he had to do a Cruyff turn before he could do anything else. It was just that, <laughs> you know, I'm Deli Ali, I'm playing for England. And all credit to him, actually, he wants to do it for his nation. But I feel like for Spurs, he's not just more advanced, and that's a great point, but he also seems a bit more relaxed. Well, he he, he certainly gets his nutmegs in every game, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> the figure, the, I'd love to see his figures on the nutmegs. He starts dribbling backwards just yeah. to make sure he gets one. I think it's just understanding, you know, he plays with, with Kane, and you got there's no Ericsson in the England side and things like that, obviously. I think it's the focus... For, for, he's much more of a focus player for Tottenham than he is for England. I think he's okay for England. I'm not criticising him England-wise, but like I say, I think England don't get the best of Deli Alley like like Tottenham do when he plays further up the pitch. Well, it's, it's two different managers as well, and obviously it's all tactical, and you're, you're doing what your manager is telling you to do. All of us fans saying, why isn't he doing this? Why isn't he doing that? You know, you're doing a job your manager is giving you to do. Yeah which is obviously just as important as scoring the goals. One thing that hasn't been perfect for Spurs have been set pieces recently. And we got a tweet in, <laughs> a great tweet in, I have to say, from Kevin at KJC2287, who asks, my son is almost two years old, so I have to ask, which will happen first? Him drink legally in the US, so that's a full 19 years, or Tottenham score from a corner? <laughs> so I think Tottenham have, Tottenham have actually... We scored at Old Trafford from a corner, didn't we? The last time we scored from a corner yeah, was against Dortmund with, yeah. with Lorente. I think it's a strange one, isn't it? If you actually look at how many goals are scored from corners by most clubs, it's actually, what is it, 3% or something? Or only 3 in 100 get 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 goals from corners. More my worry is, is how we defend corners than, mm. than that we don't score enough goals from them. But um, we... There'll always be an area where you think you can do better, and and that's that's obviously one for us. But I, I guarantee you, we'll score from three or four corners next year. But people tend to forget when you do score from them. So the answer is they'll score from a corner first. Definitely. Yeah, I'm sure. Ahead of that legal <laughs> drink, luckily. Just make sure when he is old enough to have the legal drink that he keeps his hand on the bottom of the glass because I've heard that. Chris might have his fifth or sixth one in the the sky bar before we score from the corner. <laughs> yeah, 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 but he does that before kickoffs. So it's not really not really a fair contest, is it? Talking of the sky bar, we've got to turn our attentions quickly back to that wonderful night, that wonderful stadium. Any final thoughts about what was a great historic evening for the club? Three oh. points. Yeah, exactly. It's that, my that, only thought. As, as I said, it was um, it was a great ceremony and it was a great occasion. But um, you know, going in going into that game, the, the most important thing was the three points. Where you know wherever we were playing that game, we needed the three points. But it, it is just 
it's such a good feeling to be back home. You know, people walk down the same streets, go down the same roads, same journeys, meeting new people, meeting old people. It's it's, it's great. Brilliant. It feels like we've reconnected with the club. It really does, yeah. It has been a difficult year. Wembley, no signings, all those types of things. Mm. Lots of negativity this year. The run of form. So it, it was a. it's come at the perfect time, that reconnection. And you've heard tonight as well with some of the callers... You know the the Plus mood it. is lifted. You know, just, just 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 that one win in the new stadium, and you see what it's done to people. Well, the stadium is all about being connected with the club, and this show is all about being connected with our listeners. So we'll leave you with a question from one of them. Anthony Peppera asks on Twitter, "Where do you guys reckon we'll end up?" I'm looking at every team in the top six. We have the most straightforward running, in my opinion. City away is a free hit. What do you reckon? Love the show and wish Rick the best with the wedding. Yes, best best of luck with it, Rick. Where do we think we'll finish? Third. Third? Third. He's confident. Third. So we're saying definite, none of this playoff rubbish in the Champions League. Dead, nailed on third. Nailed on third. And Man United fourth. Do you think so? No Arsenal? Even with that running? Who? (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah. Arsenal, Chelsea, Europa League, where they belong. Well, okay. Do you not think the wheels are coming off for United, though? I mean, you can make a case for Arsenal slipping up, but I can't see United being the team squeaking in there. Ollie, Ollie's wheel is... He's at the wheel, are... but the wheel stopped turning all of a sudden. <laughs> uh, that was a big result the other night. Massive for, for them. To, you know, it was the type of thing Tottenham would be accused of bottling that game. 1-0 up, shambolic sending off, a goalkeeper that was static for the winning goal. If that was us, we'd have been ripped mm. for that. So No, all, all joking aside, I don't care who gets in the top four as long as we are there. As long as we are there, I don't care who gets the other place. And I'm sure Tottenham will be. It's been an optimistic show, an optimistic evening to follow a wonderful evening last night. Thanks ever so much for all your calls in. It's been lovely hearing how happy everyone is. And you'll have to join us next week for an equally cheery edition of the Spurs Fan Show. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.